We're going to be looking in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Many people call this the, the uh, Hebrew, the, the Hall of Faith. I want you to understand that these gentlemen and these ladies that are mentioned, there's 17 names mentioned in Hebrews, chapter 11. Uh, and then it talks about the others. Their names is not mentioned. But you need to understand right from the get-go that these are not super saints. They served a super God. And you're not a super saint either, but we serve a super God. And we need to keep that in focus because it's important that we understand that faith is not perfect, but it trusts in a perfect God. Faith trusts in a perfect God. Everybody struggles with their faith. We're going to be talking to you tonight about how we struggle with our faith. Abel struggled with his faith. You say, how? He got killed for it. That's pretty much struggling, huh? Enoch struggled with his faith. He didn't turn on to God till his little boy Methuselah was born. Noah struggled with his faith. I'm convinced that Noah got splinters in his fingers and he got... He, he smashed his thumb from time to time, building the ark. Abraham lied for fear that he'd be killed, uh, and he struggled with his faith. Sarah struggled with her faith, thinking that she couldn't have a baby. Jacob struggled with his faith, uh, dealing with Esau. Moses struggled with his faith. He killed an Egyptian uh, trying to correct and do the will of God. Joseph struggled with his faith in the pit, waiting to be released to rule over Egypt. David, King David, struggled in his faith, for we know that he fell, but he bounced back in the power of God. You know, you know what's beautiful about faith is faith doesn't guarantee you that you will not fall. But it does guarantee you that you will get up. Faith does not guarantee you that you're going to be perfect. But it does bring you to a place where you can trust a perfect God. And so we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 11. I'm just going to call this message tonight, Faith is, question mark. What is faith? Faith is, question mark. You know, many people have different interpretations of what faith is. But I think it's real important that we go to the Bible and see what the Bible says faith is. You know, I can listen to a preacher and tell me what faith is. I can listen to other people tell me what faith is. But when you go to the Bible, you can see what the Scripture says about what faith is. And let's stand for the reading of God's Word, verse 1, Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found. That's mean they looked for him because God had translated him. 
For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse 6, what pleases God? But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear and prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into the place that he should afterward receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whether he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which had foundation, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and she was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky and the multitude, as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off. What did they see? They saw the, farm, the, the promise and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed them that they were strangers and pilgrims of the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they had came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared them a city. When he used for a subject, faith is question mark. What is faith? You may be seated. I want to begin by saying that faith is substance. Faith is substance. We need to understand that faith is actually the ingredient or the power that lays hold of that which is invisible. Faith is your sight into the spiritual world. We see by faith. By faith, we know that God is real. All around us, we see intelligent design. Everywhere we look, we know that there is a God. We go to the Bible and we learn about God. We strengthen our hearts in God. We see blessed, wonderful promises in God. For faith is our sight into the spirit world. The, the spirit world is invisible. But by faith, we can see into the spirit world. Now, there are those that will argue the fact, well, there's no such thing as God. And I think uh, that all around us, we see the evidence. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I believe that God is not against archaeology. He's not against science. 
I believe God wants us to dig, 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 dig. The deeper we dig, the bigger God gets. I think God wants to explore, wants us to explore, and the more we explore, the more powerful God becomes. There's an interesting verse in um, Proverbs 25, verse 2, and I realize he's talking about the, um, the riches in Hezekiah's uh, king, uh, uh, temple, his house. But verse 2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. It is the glory of God to put mysteries, to conceal things. It is the glory of God to put things out there that we don't understand. And so God is telling us, whether we're scientific or whether biology or whether eschatology or, uh, you know, the biblical eschatology or whether archaeologists digging in the dirt, God says, you go right ahead. You scratch, dig in the dirt all you want and prove that I don't exist. It ain't going to happen. You can look in the test tubes. You can look in the tele, uh, telescopes. You can look everywhere. And, and you dig all you want. You can search all you want. The Bible says that it is the glory of God that he can conceal a matter. And God has brought concealed things all around us. And God says, bless your heart. You just dig all you want. You just try to overturn and, and try to prove I don't exist. But the truth is, we cannot we shall not, and no truly born-again Christian would ever try to prove that God doesn't exist. But there are those that are not saved that try to prove that God doesn't exist. But I want you to know faith is a substance. It's something that you can hold to. Faith, you can hold to the fact that God created everything by intelligent design. God has given us things. And I'm going to share with you a sermon which is called an alliteration sermon. You say, what is an alliteration sermon? It's a sermon that starts with the same letter over and over again. And I want to first of all say faith is substance. Everybody say substance. Secondly, faith is sound, sure, and smart. Faith is sound, sure, and smart. Thirdly, faith is strong, stable, and secure. Fourthly, faith surges. And five, faith stands, but not alone. Now, when we look at these things, we understand that the Bible's very clear that the just shall live by faith. That's found in Habakkuk, where it talks about the just shall live by faith. And it's mentioned again in Romans chapter 1, Galatians chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 10, the just shall live by faith. And not only shall the just live by faith, but we can see that, that the, we walk by faith and not by sight. You'll, you'll find the phrase over and over again in Hebrews chapter 11, they seen, they saw, they looked. Faith is your eyes to look into what God wants you to be. Faith is your eyes to look and see what God can do. Faith is your eyes to look into the spirit world and say, thank God. And without those eyes of faith, it is impossible to please God, for they that come to God must believe that he is 
and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. Praise the Lord. I, we're going to look at some of these guys uh, as we continue on. And, and I, I want to repeat again because a lot of young Christians, people that's new converts, they tend to feel like, well, I messed up. What's the use? They, they trip and stumble. And I want you to know faith is a process. We learn to walk by faith. Faith is something that we learn to grow. You say, do you ever struggle with your faith, Pastor? I do. I don't struggle with it as much as I did when I first got saved. But there's moments in which I struggle with my faith because faith is what we learn to walk by. And, uh, and it's important that we understand that just because we trip and stumble doesn't mean we're out of the out of the loop with God, or we're out of the blessing of God. We will sometimes be dis dis discouraged. We will sometimes be depressed. We will sometimes feel like we miss God, and we'll, we'll beat ourselves up over it. We'll, we'll, we'll feel bad over it. But I want you to know that faith is the substance. Uh, and by the way, this Bible is substance. You are substance. You believe in God. In your heart is the throbbing of God's blessing in your life. Faith is a substance, the evidence. Hallelujah. I'm looking at evidence in this room. Everyone in this room that's born again, you're evidence. And if you're not a Christian, you're still evidence because you wouldn't be breathing without God's power and God's might. You walk outside, look at the skies, the stars are shining, the moon's shining at night, that's evidence. You go out in the morning, you look up, the sun's uh, shining, that's evidence. You look at the flowers in the spring, that's evidence. I'm waiting for some more of that evidence. Hey, how about you? I'd like to see more of that evidence. But anyway, you go out there and you look and you see things all around you, it's all evidence. Intelligent design. Faith is a substance, and the Bible says it is evidence of things not seen. I am grateful for the fact that we are not just wishful thinkers. We are not just uh, hopeful wannabes. We know that faith is a substance, and it is a substance that God will use to change our lives. Faith is a substance of things that God will use to save our soul. Faith will reach out and lay hold of the substance of the blood of Jesus Christ. Faith will reach out and hold, uh, lay hold of the substance of the crucified Son of God. Faith will reach out and lay hold of the Bible and know that God is a miracle worker and God is a powerful God because faith is a substance. It's evidence of things not seen. Everything that in this room is, is something that came from something that didn't that you don't see. Everything in this room is materialized out of something that was invisible. Everything that we live in, the, the whole visible world we live in came from an invisible power and his name is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And so faith is the substance. It's evidence. And I thank God that God has given us all kinds of evidence. You look at these people, Abel and Enoch and and we'll be talking about knowing just a little bit. But, but faith is not only substance and evidence, but faith is sound, sure, and smart. Did you hear me? Faith is sound, sure, and smart. 
The world likes to, wants to make you think that you're kind of goofy if you believe in God. But no, only those who believe in God are sound in mind. Hello? Only those that are sound in God, only those that know God are, are sure. It takes a smart person to follow God. Matthew chapter 7, Luke chapter 6, um, Matthew 7, 24 through 27, Luke 6 through 47 through 49, Jesus Christ said, a wise man hears my words. That wise man, when he hears my word, he does according to what I say. He digs down deep into, into the ground, to the rock, and he builds his house upon a solid rock. But a foolish man hears my word, ignores the evidence, ignores the faith, ignores the power of God, ignores and says there's no God. And they build their life on sand. They build their house on sand. And Jesus Christ said, when the winds, when the waves, when the rains descend, when the floods come up, not if they come, when they come. Not if it rains, when it rains. Not if it floods, when it floods. Not if the wind blows, it will blow. And I want you to know that goes for the unbeliever and the believer. We all face floods in our life. We all face winds in our life. We all face storms in our life. We all face hard times in our life. We all face burdens in our life. But if we'll build on the words of Jesus Christ, we'll take our faith and, and build on that solid rock, Jesus Christ. When the winds come, the rains descend, and the winds beat against the house, the house is sound, sure, and it's smart because we dug down in God's word. It's the most intelligent thing anyone in this room could do is to build on Jesus Christ, to build on the word of God, to build your life on God Almighty, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Not only is faith sound and sure and smart, but faith is strong, stable, and secure. Faith is strong, stable, and secure. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 says, Nevertheless, the foundations of God stand as sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Faith is strong. It's stronger than the storms we face. Faith is strong. It's stronger than the heartbreaks we, we endure. Faith is strong. It's strong. Why? Because faith connects with God. Faith connects with God's love. Faith connects with the unseen world. Faith connects with something that the world cannot take away from us. Faith connects with the invisible spiritual world. And so we put our faith in Jesus Christ, and it brings, it's strong, it's stable, it's secure. If the, foundation, the foundations of God stand assured, what God did for us will never change. Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, shed his blood, and his blood will never be unshed. What Jesus Christ did on that cross of Calvary will never be eradicated. It will never be done away with. What God promised, he promised to you and I. It's a promise. We, God promised us that if we'll look to him, we'd be saved. God promised us that if we'll believe in him, he'll come and bring us life and bring us strength. In fact, the Bible says, very clearly, that in verse 13, and I read that to you early, these all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, they were persuaded. Everybody say persuaded. 
See, they were persuaded in them. What were they persuaded in? The promises of God. They embraced them. What did they embrace? The promises of God. And they not only embraced and were persuaded in the promises of God, they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. So it's very clear that they, they, pers- they were persuaded of them, embraced them, and confessed what God is. And we need to understand that no matter what hell dishes out at us, we need to confess that we're more than overcomers in Jesus Christ. We're victors. We're overcomers. We're blessed in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now, I, I, I want to bring this to your attention because it's real important that you understand that faith, you know, sometimes, our faith feel, sometimes we feel like our faith is low. Sometimes we feel like our faith is, whoo, I can walk on water today. Sometimes we're depressed. Sometimes we're encouraged. Don't think that you're not normal. You are normal. God come to save people that struggle. You're not a super saint, but you serve a super God. Moses was not a super saint, but he served a super God. It wasn't Moses that parted the Red Sea. It wasn't Moses that brought manna down from heaven. It wasn't Moses that performed the miracles. It wasn't Moses that destroyed Pharaoh and broke Pharaoh's back. It was God. Moses seen him who is invisible. Moses looked to him, was persuaded, persuaded that God, that the pleasure of sin was for a season. Moses looked at that and said, this is temporal, but I'm going to look at Jesus. I'm going to look at God because what God is is eternal. And Moses focused on the spirit world. He focused on God. Now, later on, Moses got to see him in the burning bush. Amen. Or don't we all want to do that? And, you know, after Moses saw the great I am in the burning bush, you'd think he never would fall and would fail. Now, the truth is, Moses was a better man of God after he stood before the burning bush. The truth is, Moses was incredible when he went up on the mountain and God showed his glory upon him. But Moses still had a hot head. Moses still did things that didn't please God. In fact, Moses did some things that kept Moses from going over into the promised land. And so we need to understand that all of us struggle with our faith. It's a a walk. Faith is a walk. And we walk by faith, not by sight. We see the storm. We need to kick in our eyes of faith. We see sickness coming at our life. We need to kick in our eyes of faith. We see hardship coming our way. We need to kick in eyes of faith. Amen? Come on. Now, faith surges. There's times when faith surges in our life. Now, if you know something about a a storm, the the squall or the swell of a storm, there's a surge. In the ocean, there will be a surge in the storm. And faith sometimes surges in our life. Sometimes we need that surge. You're not going to be able to go to come and go and get you a bottle called surge. That won't make you any better. That's not going to make you a better Christian. But you can get in the scriptures and get a surge. Amen? You can get a surge from God. Amen? 
Now, the other day, the church got a surge in the electric line out here. And it made half of the power off and the other half of the power on. And it was doing freaky, weird things. And, and it was crazy. One light would work one minute, another light would work. It's like a bunch of Christians. It was crazy. A surge had hit that pole. And the, the um, Liberty electricians come out. They worked on it. They got it fixed. A surge caused problems. But how many know a surge can also bring energy into your life? A surge can, can move in your spirit. Some of you in this room need a surge now. Hello? Isaiah 59, verse 19. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west. That's in the dark. The sun sets in the west. They shall fear the name of the Lord in the dark. And its glory from the rising of the sun. That's the light. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a surge, a standard against him. Isn't that good? And sometimes I just need a surge of faith. Sometimes I, you know, crazy things begin to happen in my life, and, and I just need some encouragement and some strength in my heart, and I need a surge in my spirit. Anybody in this room feel like you need a surge? Need a surge. Amen. Need surge. Amen. I love it when God gives me a surge. I love it when God touches my life. And when someone gets really depressed, they need a surge. I pray for people because I know they're depressed sometimes. And when I pray for them, I say, God, just light them up. And I don't mean in a bad way. I just light them up. Amen. Light them up. So if you ever get depressed, your pastor's praying that, you, that God just light you up. That there comes a surge. That that surge will lift us up out of our oppression. That surge will lift us up and will continue on. Will we have difficulty in this walk of faith? Yes, we will. Will we have storms along the way? Yes, we will. Will, will there be moments we'll be discouraged? Yes, we will. Will there be moments when we're lonely? Yes, we, there will be. Will there be times when we're going through a storm and we begin to doubt that God is, is really watching over us? Yes, we will. But I want you to know, faith does not disconnect from you just because you have walk in the light of that faith. Faith never gives up on you because the author and finisher of our faith is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ never gives up on you. Amen? So faith surges. Faith stands, but not alone. I love that. Faith stands, but not alone. Jesus Christ said, in John 16, 30, uh, verse 33, the last verse, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so Jesus Christ says, you, you just mark it down. When you're tripping and stumbling and you're falling and you're having a hard time, you just mark it down. God's Jesus Christ has secured your path to glory. Jesus Christ has secured your way home. You can't tell me that Noah didn't at times get a splinter in his finger. He's building the ark. He's making it out of wood. You can't tell me there wasn't times when Noah smashed his thumb. I know he did. You say, how do you know he did? It's not written in the scripture. Well, faith, we go through things. 
Amen? Noah goes through things. Noah built an ark. You can't build that big of a boat without there being some difficulties. I think Noah sometimes saw the, the board too short. And it was really hard for him because to saw a board back then was a lot of work. And I think there were times he sawed the board too long. And I'm looking at some of you. You've sawed the board too short. Some of you come, up, uh, you come just a short board too much once in a while. But you can thank God for that. And notice what the Bible says that Noah, I love this, Noah, verse 7, by faith Noah being warned of God of things as not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Wow. Now, I don't think Noah went around condemning everybody. I don't think Noah was going around saying, you heathens out there, you pagans, you're going to hell. I believe he preached to them, but I don't think Noah was condemning them. I believe he built the ark with plenty of room for the animals and the people who would listen and get on board. But how did Noah, con how did Noah condemn the world? Just like this church condemns people every time they drive by. They don't go to church. They drive by this church. They see this building and say, oh, I need to get in church. And they feel guilty. They feel condemned. They see you out in town and you're laughing and you're happy and you're joyful. And they think, oh, man. And, and that's the kind of condemnation. That's, uh, the Bible says that Noah condemned the world when he made the ark. I think he was telling the world, uh, you're condemned, but you don't have to be. And we need to understand that I don't think Noah went around condemning people. I don't think Noah was a abrasive person. I believe that he built the ark, he obeyed God, and in the process of obeying God, it brought condemnation to others. I want you to know in the process of you obeying God will bring condemnation to your family members that's not saved. You have to say a word to them. In the process of loving God, going to church, serving the Lord, obeying God, in that process alone, you don't have to say anything to them. Just you being faithful to God. You praying, you going to church, you loving God, you reading your Bible, you trusting God, causes condemnation to come upon grandchildren, children, neighbors, and friends because they're thinking, Oh, they're really happy, and I'm not. They're really, you know, they really go to church, and I don't. They serve God, and they must think they're better than me. That's not true. But God's better than all of us. Amen? I heard this story, and I'm going to wrap this sermon up. I heard this story about Billy Graham. I heard this from another preacher, so it's not my original story, but I thought, well, I'll share it. Actually, I heard it from two different preachers share the same story about Billy Graham. He went and played uh, 18 holes of golf with someone. Billy Graham, the great Billy Graham, is out there playing 18 holes with someone that's not a Christian. They don't know the Lord. They're not a Christian. They don't serve God. And Billy Graham plays 18 holes of golf with this unsaved person. 
At the end, this unsaved person took his bag of clubs and threw them in the trunk of his car, swore and fasted. And another believer came up to him and said, what's the matter? And he said, that, that Billy Graham, he condemned me all the way to 18 holes of golf. He condemned me, put me down. He tried to shove the gospel down my throat. And the believer says, you know, I, think, I find that hard to believe. I do believe that Billy Graham would share Jesus with you, but I find it hard to believe that he would shove it down your throat. And he said, well, and so the believer said to the lost man, well, what did Billy Graham say to you? And the lost man said, uh, nothing. <laughs> Billy Graham didn't say a word. And I think that's kind of like Noah. I think that's kind of like you. You don't have to say anything. Hello? Hello, you don't have to say anything to get your foot in your mouth. You just have to yawn. Hello? You don't have to say anything to bring people down on you. Christians, our heritage to be, is to be ridiculed and, and, and held down, blamed because they feel the condemnation that Noah brought. Now, the Bible's very clear that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. The Bible declares that. Noah did preach. You can't be a preacher of righteousness if you don't preach. It's true that Noah did preach. He built the ark. But he struggled in his faith. You say, how do you believe that? He loaded up a bunch of animals. <laughs> Come on, give me a break. He's got a great big old ark full of nasty, stinky, smelly animals. You can't tell me that his faith wasn't tried. Hello? Smash his thumb, get a splinter in his, and, 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 and suck his thumb for a little while. Big old blood blister come up on his thumb where he hit it. That's all faith being tried. And you need to understand that as we walk with God, it's not always going to be easy. The persecution, the, 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 the hard moments in life, the struggles in life, don't give up on God. If you're doubting your faith in Christ, don't give up on God. If you're depressed or you feel like God's down on you, don't give up on God. Your faith is your hold on God. Hello, your faith is your hold on God. And God's love and grace is his hold on you. By faith, we hold on to God. And by God's grace, he holds on to us. Don't let go of God. Your faith is your hold on God. God's grace is his hold on you. This word, this faith in Christ is your hold on Jesus Christ. But Jesus, what he did on the cross and his shed blood and his mercy and his grace is his hold on you. I mean, no, love can be a powerful hold. Amen. The blood of Jesus Christ can be a powerful hold. Now, I'm gonna, I, I, I want to wrap this up, and I want to simply share with you something that the Lord laid in my heart. It's important that we understand that when we sin and we do things that we shouldn't do or we trip and stumble, we feel ashamed. 
It's, it's, it's perfectly normal to feel ashamed when we do wrong. I'm ashamed of my past. I'm ashamed of my sin. If I trip and stumble, I'm ashamed of it. If I do something that's not pleasing to God, I'm ashamed of it. But I want you to know that even though you maybe feel ashamed, God is not ashamed of you. When you put your faith in Jesus, when you put your faith in God, God is not ashamed of you. Now, you can be ashamed of yourself. You can be ashamed of your past. You can be ashamed of all that you've done. You can be ashamed of your failures. But look at Hebrews eleven sixteen and shout glory. But now they desire a better country. Anybody here desire a better country? That is a heavenly. Anybody here want to go to heaven? Wherefore, God is not ashamed. Whoa, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared for them a city. Please listen to me. You can be so ashamed of your past, and you should be. You should be ashamed of sin. We all should be. And when we fall and trip and stumble, we should be ashamed. But God is never ashamed of you when you reach over there by faith and lay hold of him. God will never be ashamed of you when he sees you in that altar saying, please, God, have mercy upon me. God says to the angels, that's my boy. That's my girl. That's my child. God is not ashamed of you when you reach out to Jesus Christ. Immediately, shame leaves. Immediately, uh, God is not ashamed of you. I don't care what you've done in your past. If you are looking to Jesus Christ, if you're putting your faith in him and you're asking him to forgive you, God is not ashamed of you. Isn't that good? Woo! You see, it's one thing for me to be ashamed, but it's altogether something else when God says, I'm not ashamed of you when you put your faith in me. I'm not ashamed of you when you trust me, when you look for a, a better country, when you look for a heavenly city, when you look, when you're persuaded by the things that God has said, when you embrace the things that God has promised you. God says, I'm not ashamed of you. And so I want to simply close with this statement, and I, it's important that you understand this statement. And, and it's important that you don't um, reject this statement. It's important you see this. We all struggle. From the pulpit to the back, we all struggle. Moses struggled. King David struggled. Abraham struggled. These were not super saints. They were serving a super God. And what made them different was they put their faith in God. And that's what we need to do. Sometimes our faith seems small. But other times we feel like we've got to surge. Amen? We got to surge. Now I'm not a I'm not someone that is from the ocean part of the country, the surfers. 
But I understand when they get a good surge, they get up on those waves and they just ride them in the shore. And I want you to know if you're out there in the deep and you don't know what you're going to do, just look behind you. See that big old surge coming your way? Don't panic. Don't panic. Take God's Word, that surfboard of God's Word. Stand up on it. Trust God. Woo! Away we go. Solid ground. You can tell I'm not a surfer. But anyway, the surge is important. And I'm glad that God gives me a surge from time to time. We all struggle, every one of us. A young convert that hasn't been saved very long, if he doesn't learn this truth, he'll backslide. A young convert, if he doesn't learn the truth, that we struggle. And it doesn't make us inferior. It doesn't make us ungenuine. We all struggle, and everybody needs to understand. And, and when you're first saved, you struggle more than later on. You do. You struggle more. Uh, when you're first freshly a child of God, you struggle more then because you're, you're more uncertain. You're more unsure. You struggle more when you're young in the Lord. And the more you grow in the Lord, you either turn into a hypocrite or you get to where you're sure. Amen? Hello. You know, you know what hypocrite is? They pretend. Well, I'm, I don't pretend. I'm sure. I'm sure. Does that mean I don't have problems? Listen, we all have problems. We all have moments when we doubt. We all have moments. We, we are people who need the faith of God. We are people that need the strength of God. I promise you that we all struggle, and some of us struggle with some things, others struggle with other things. It's not always the same thing we struggle with, but we do struggle. That, that snap, crackle, and pop is me. I'm getting old when I walk around. But we do struggle. And you need to understand, I was writing in the book, uh, my name is Adam, and it dawned on me that I needed to make a little paragraph, and I made this little paragraph. The little paragraph makes something like this. I'm not afraid to die as long as I know what happened after the tree. After the tree, what has happened? And I'm talking about the tree of Calvary. I'm also talking about the tree of knowledge of good and evil. What happens after the tree? What Jesus Christ did on that tree. We all struggle, every one of us. And, and I think sometimes as Christians, we kind of put on a facade and pretend to be super saints. Glory to God. No, the truth is in the compounds of your room, in the silence of your life, there's moments when you feel weak. We're just scared people trying to encourage other scared people. Hello. We're just doubting, hurting, troubled people trying to encourage other doubting, hurting, troubled people. 
And so when I take the scripture to encourage and try to get a surge of faith in our lives, because without this preaching, a church will become under the undertow, and they will be so distraught. We need that surge of God's power. Amen? Hello. Josh, come and bring a song. Hope you enjoyed tonight's message. I hope you see that faith is a substance. Faith is a substance. It's the evidence of what we don't see. And we know that by faith the elders obtained a good report. And we know that faith is our eyes into the spirit world. Faith is our sight into what we don't see. And we need that sight. Because if all we see is what we do see with our eyes, we're going to be discouraged. But if we can see beyond what we see with our eyes physically, and we see into the spirit world, we can look for a, a new country. We can look for a new heaven. And we know, we know that intelligent design cries God is real. We know that we're not here by accident. We know that God made us. We know that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We know that we are made in the image of God after his likeness. Adam come around and messed that up, but you know what we're talking about. Jesus came along and born us again so that we could pick up again and be made in the image and likeness of God through, through the new birth. Struggle, struggle. Hello, welcome. Welcome to the family that struggles. So that's unbelief. I know. I know. That's why we take this Bible and we slap unbelief out of the church. We run unbelief away by trusting in Jesus Christ. Amen. So that when we're out, I'm not going to play golf. But when we're out doing something, they'll, they'll think. You know, I preach sometimes and people will say, he said that. I can't believe he said that. And, and they'd catch me and say, he said that. And they used to accuse me of saying things when I was preaching. And I'd tell Judy, I didn't say that. Well, they thought I said that because they were hearing me say that in their mind. And just like poor Billy Graham, he didn't do, he didn't do a thing. But boy, his life condemned that guy. Listen, you don't have to do anything to, be, to make people upset. Just be a good Christian and you'll make people upset. Amen. Just live the life of Christ. Live the life of Jesus. And people are going to say, oh, you know, they feel condemned because you came to church tonight. They did. They feel condemned because you're loving God, you're serving God, walking with God. Well, give them time, you'll be in their shoes. We all struggle. We all wrestle. And that's my job to keep everybody pumped up, encouraged and strengthened and made strong in faith. Amen? Stand with me. We're going to give an invitation. We all struggle. 